The following audio is from Emmanuel Baptist Church. More information about Emmanuel is available at our website, www.myemmanuel.net. And I do pray that as we sit here today that our voice might be lifted in praise and our hearts might be open to you. And Lord, we pray that as Pastor Paul comes to, to speak to us, may our Holy Spirit prick our hearts that we might hear what you have to say for us and apply it to our lives today. Lord, we thank you for this freedom and this opportunity, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's great to worship with you this morning. It's uh, wonderful for us to have the Halo Baseball program with us today. Just a kind of reminder, last Sunday, Easter Sunday, so of course, we talked about the resurrection and we talked about the fact that the empty tomb is the pinnacle of all that we believe and as such it becomes a symbol for that as well and we talked about this new kingdom that Jesus Christ brings to us is a is a kingdom of purpose a kingdom of hope and a kingdom of power that was that was really what we discussed and studied together last week but now as we kind of go forward we realize well what happens is the resurrection uh, uh, an actual physical bodily resurrection not a not a, a just a, a ghost experience or a spiritual experience where Jesus's spirit comes out of the grave but the the rock is rolled away you can look in the tomb there's no body there the the resurrection complete with uh, the perfect life of Christ his atoning death and the resurrection becomes called the gospel the word gospel means good news and so it becomes good news to those of us who recognize that our sin has separated us from God and that as such we, we had no way to get to God. I, once you're a sinner, it's not like you can get to heaven because you're a better sinner. You're still separated from God. But Jesus Christ sheds his blood, wipes our sin away. The scripture says God remembers it no more. He puts it farther away than the east is from the west and he receives us as the children of God. And this is good news for us. Right away, I mean right away, starts fake news. Are you, are you familiar with fake news? Everybody knows about fake news these days. I, I, I don't quite know how fake news works. If you tell fake news about fake news, does that make it fakier? Or is it like grammar when you use, when you use two double negatives? Does that make it a positive or is it like adding negative numerals does it just get worse and worse i we live in a society where there's fake news everywhere but there's always been fake news you know what the very first fake news was ever on the planet the serpent said to eve you won't really die if you eat of it that was the first fake news when jesus rose from the grave the guards the scripture says when the angel appeared the guards were so overcome by fear and trepidation they were paralyzed by their fear they just they just fell and they couldn't move they saw it all but they couldn't do anything about it after jesus rose from the grave and the angel left they got up they went into town they found the chief priests, and they said here's what happened and the chief priest paid them money to tell everybody that the disciples came and stole the body while they were asleep now, just think about this. If this is just, if you go to court and you're a witness, can you really give witness to what happened 
while you were asleep? You, you didn't see it, you were asleep, but this became fake news. We're studying the book of 1 Thessalonians together. I'm going to be in chapter 2 if you want to turn in your Bibles there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. There's also a Bible right there in the rack in front of you. The verses will be on the screen if you don't have a Bible. But in, uh, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we're going to discover more fake news. And what happened was that this fake news that came from a group of people called the Judaizers... They followed the Apostle Paul wherever, they, wherever he went. And the Apostle Paul preached the gospel. Now remember what the gospel is. The gospel is the, the perfect life of Jesus, his atoning death, his burial and resurrection, and that because he is risen, we can have the forgiveness of sins. And, and the Apostle Paul would preach this, and people would ask for the forgiveness of sins and give their lives to Jesus. Then he would go to the next town and preach it again. And when he left that town, these guys would come in and go, hey, we know Apostle Paul was here. And, yeah, he, he probably has some good intentions, but he's way wrong. You've got to become a Jew. You've got to keep the Ten Commandments. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to go to the temple. You've got to do all these things then you can be accepted by God. It's not just fake news, it's false theology. So the Apostle Paul is now writing a letter back to this church that he started in a city in Greece called Thessalonica. And he's writing the letter to say, there's always been fake news, but really more importantly, what do kingdom people do when they face lies and slander. And the lies and the slander of these uh, guys who came in after Paul fall in three categories. Let's just start reading together. First Thessalonians chapter 2. He says, you, uh, you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, to stop for a moment, what happened in Philippi is really what always happened to Paul. He went to the synagogue and he preached the gospel. Then he got kicked out of the synagogue, so he went into the kind of the market area place, the marketplace. He preached the gospel. Then a riot started. Then he got arrested. Then he got thrown into jail. So the Apostle Paul would always have a Jewish ministry, a Gentile ministry, and a jail ministry in every town that he went to. And that's how he started churches. And not very many church planners used that method, but it was really successful for Paul. So it happened in Philippi, so that's what he's talking about when he says we were shamefully treated at Philippi. He said, but as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the, what's the word? The gospel. What is the gospel? It's the death and the burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that we can have the forgiveness of sins by his grace. So they were, even though he got beaten up and he actually was whipped and thrown into jail in Philippi. He came to Thessalonica and did, was he timid? Was he shy? Was he like, ah, that didn't work so well in Philippi? No, he was bold in declaring the gospel. Verse 3. Our appeal, now he's answering the fake news guys. Our appeal does not spring from error, impurity, or any attempt to deceive. Those are the three categories. Error, impurity, or any attempt to deceive. So let's talk about those just for a little bit. What do, what do people say about those of us 
who believe the gospel. And sometimes we're called Christians, or we're, we're, called being, we're born again, or believers, or Christ followers. What do people who are not Christ followers say about those of us who are Christ followers? Well, the Apostle Paul gives us three categories, and you're going to recognize all three of these. All three of these still exist today, 2,000 years after the Apostle Paul gave three categories. Number one, they say, we don't know what we're talking about. There wasn't really a resurrection. It's just a myth. Jesus may or may not be a real person who really lived. He was really a fabrication of the apostles who put together some different gospels and sayings. And, and it's even bigger than that. We don't know. We really don't understand. We, I mean, we believe in creation, not evolution. We're so ignorant. Or we, we, we believe that Jesus walked on the water. Everybody knows that's just a story. It didn't really happen. And so they teach that those of us who believe that there is salvation through Jesus and Jesus alone are ignorant. We, we don't know what we're talking about. We are mistaken. We're in error. This came to Jesus' attention one time when the Sadducees, who didn't believe in the resurrection, came, and they tried to, tried to prove how silly Jesus was. And they said, hey, there was a, there was a woman who had a husband, and then uh, he died, and so she got married to his brother, and then he died, and then she got married to his other brother, and he died. And she has actually married to seven brothers, and they all died. And then last of all, she died, and then they were like, <laughs> now we've got him. So whose wife will she be in heaven? And Jesus used their own language about them, and he said, oh, he said, you are so mistaken. The word means fooled, tricked, you're ignorant. He said, in heaven, we're not given to marriage. That's not what heaven's like. Marriage is, a, is an earthly relationship. In heaven, every relationship is perfect and intimate and loving and holy. And they... They didn't get it, and he, he shamed them with that. And so, so that's category number one. Category number one, you and I don't know what we're talking about. Category number two, he uses the word impurity. Here's the way it's said to us in modern-day times in America. Well, we're just like everyone else when it comes to greed and lust. See, now those of us who've been saved, those of us who've been changed... Uh, we have experienced the forgiveness of sins and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, we know that we've been changed. We have been so completely changed. We knew who we were before Christ. We knew our evil intent. We knew our selfishness. We knew our sinfulness. We knew our pride. We never, we never wanted to admit that we were wrong. We had so much pride and so much belligerence and rebellious, rebelliousness against authority and anybody who would tell us what to do. I mean, that's the mark of a sinner, right? And that's how you know even kids are sinners because the first thing they tell you is, you're not the boss of me. That's who we used to be. But when Christ Jesus comes into our lives and he saves us, and his Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, everything changes for us. And one of the things that he does when he changes our soul is he changes our wanter. You, you know what that part of you is? The part that wants stuff. And what you discover when you've really given your life to Christ is the things that you used to want to do, you don't want to do anymore. And the things that you never wanted to do, that's the stuff that you want to do. Everything changes. Do I still sin? Yeah, but I don't want to. And it grieves me, and I hate it when I do. But there's stuff that I want to do that no unbeliever would ever 
want to do. I love being with you right here on a Sunday morning. Unbelievers are like, oh, what a waste of an hour. But not us. We turn to God's word. We, we sing our praises to the Lord. Our prayers are answered here. We, we're with other like-minded people. We want to be here. And so we know that we're changed. Do Christians still fail? Yeah, and everybody point. When a Christian fails, the whole world points at him. See, you guys aren't any different. But what they don't understand is there's been a change in the heart of each one of us who have given our lives to Christ. There's a third category the Apostle Paul talks about. And then lastly, he talks about that we're just trying to deceive people. So the third category is said this way. We know, he's talking about Christians, we know that it's a sham and we're just con artists. Now, I want you to think this through just for a second. So those, there are people who actually believe that you and I know that there's no salvation, there's no heaven, there's no Jesus, there's no empty grave, there's no forgiveness of sins. We know that. We're just trying to deceive other people into believing it. Think that through for a second. Oh my goodness, it's like, it's like being a snake oil salesman. You know it doesn't work, but $1.99, you can have this bottle. But wait, if you act now, we'll give you two. Is that, what, is that who we are? There's some people that would share that kind of lie, that kind of fake news about us. So we've heard all three of these things before. Even though we know that people say this about believers and Christ followers from the time of the Apostle Paul in Philippi and Thessalonica to this very day in Billings in Montana, what should we do about it? Well, from the scriptures that we're about to read, here's kind of a mission statement. I'm going to give it to you. Kind of, it's kind of three parts of it, but here they are. We declare the gospel boldly. Remember, that's what the Apostle Paul said. Even though in Philippi, I got kicked out of the synagogue, we got, there was a riot that started, we got beat up, we got thrown into prison, we came to Thessalonica, and we did the same thing again. We declare the gospel. What's the gospel? The good news that Jesus Christ came that he lived a perfect life, that he died an atoning death for our sins. We declare that boldly. Here's the middle part. No matter what others say, they're going to say lies about us. There's going to be fake news about us. We're going to declare the gospel boldly, no matter what others say, even in the face of being shamefully treated. So that's kind of a mission statement. So the rest of this the rest of this Bible study together this morning is really the characteristics that accompany sharing the gospel. If you read from verse 1 through verse 9, you'll, you'll find the phrase sharing the gospel, proclaiming the gospel. Uh, you'll, you'll find it four times. So four times in nine verses, sharing the gospel. So this is who we are. This is what we do. So regardless of what people say, we stay true to who we are and what we do. And this is what kingdom people do. If you've given your life to to Jesus, if he's your king, then you're part of the kingdom. And what do kingdom people do? Can kingdom people give up because somebody says lies about us or there's fake news about us or somebody attacks us? Do we go like, oh yeah, we probably shouldn't share the gospel. Is that what we do? No, he's going to tell us exactly how this works. So let me begin reading here. Uh, I'll, start in, I'll start in verse 2 again. 
And then this time I'll keep reading. But even though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God, even in the midst of conflict, much conflict. For our appeal, what, what appeal is that? The appeal is, hey, you can receive Jesus too. You can have the forgiveness of sins too. Your life can be changed too. That's our appeal. Our appeal does not spring from, here's the three categories, error or um, impurity or, number three, any attempt to deceive. Those are the three fake news categories. Number four, uh, Verse four, but just as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with, here it is again, the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God, who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext of greed. God is our witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or, or someone else, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel, there it is the third time, but also our own selves, because you became very dear to us. So, we've got this gospel, the good news, the perfect life of Christ, his atoning death, his uh, resurrection, the fact that he ascended back to the throne of the heaven, that he's going to come again and get us one day. We have this gospel. How do we speak it? How do we declare it? What are the what are the characteristics of our DNA as we do it? Number one, the first thing we read on this list that Paul reminds us is that we've been instructed by God to speak. If you're here this morning and you're a believer, you've already given your life to Christ, you know that there are commandments in the Bible. In fact, many of you who haven't given your life to Christ, you know that there are commands. And the commands that are the most famous are the ones that are in Exodus chapter 20 called the Ten Commandments. And we have on that list, you know, don't steal, don't lie, don't commit adultery, don't murder, uh, uh, don't have any other gods before the one and only true God. So we kind of know these. And some people even go, this is, this is what you live by. But if you read the Scriptures and you read them all, there are, there are lots of other commands. One of the commands to believers is in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. So we have all these new commands. Jesus actually, on one occasion, says a new command I give to you, that you love one another. So these are our commands, and these, these are just as compelling in our lives as the Ten Commandments. And so sometimes we get all busy, focused on the things we shouldn't do. Don't lie, don't steal, don't lust, don't commit adultery. God, okay, I'm not, don't, 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 don't. But the commands of the New Testament are do's. They're not don'ts, they're do's. And we are to keep those as well. And one of them is we're to share the gospel. One of the things that happens to us when we're truly saved is this wanter that I talked about a while ago. The wanter in you wants to share the good news with people. 
You want people to have the forgiveness of sins. You want them to have a purpose in their life. You want them to have meaning. You want them to, to go to heaven when they die. You, you just naturally kind of want this. So the wanter goes with the Holy Spirit inside of you who instructs you and will even tell you what to say at that moment. So many of us are so afraid of sharing the gospel. We, I remember when I was young, I was often afraid. I would just get a little fearful and you know, I, I feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit to share with my friend how they could have eternal life. And all the saliva would leave my mouth and it would come out the palms of my hands. And my knees would be a little weak. And then when I talk, my voice would go like this. Hey, I, nice weather we've been having. And one day I realized that when the Holy Spirit prompted me, he was preparing the other person to hear what he was prompting me to say. It doesn't mean that everybody wanted to receive it, but the Holy Spirit was doing a work in their heart and life. And it changed everything about me. In fact, the other thing that I began to realize is not only does God command us to share the gospel, but we do it primarily to please him and not others. That's the second thing the Apostle Paul talks about in this passage. See, we tend to think like, well, I want to share it with them so they can go to heaven. That's good. That's fantastic. But that's not our primary reason. I want to, I want to share it so that they can, my, my friend can save his marriage. That's great. They get saved. They got a lot better chance of saving their marriage than if, they're, if they don't belong to the Lord. I, I want to share it so he can overcome his addiction. Now, you know Jesus, you got a, you got a way better chance of overcoming addiction than without him. But the primary reason that we share the good news is because it pleases the Savior, because it pleases God. And what I want now that my wanter has been changed is I want to please God. I I want God to be pleased with me. I, I want to hear one day, well done, good and faithful servant. And so I do it, not necessarily for others, but I do it because it pleases God. And this becomes a motivation. And because it's a because it's a intrinsic motivation between you and the Lord. No matter what your circumstances, you don't get discouraged. Just think about Paul's circumstances again. What were they? Rejected by the Jews. Kicked out of the synagogue. Rejected by the Gentiles. Big riot started. Get arrested. Get beaten. Get thrown into prison. Get thrown out of town. Go to another place. Boy, you'd think after you did that about three times, you'd be pretty dejected, wouldn't you? I mean, who would want to receive the resume of the Apostle Paul as pastor. Well, I see here that every time you go to a new town, you're thrown into jail. Does anybody want him as a pastor? But in reality, he was doing it because it pleased God. And so we see some things in the Apostle Paul that we can replicate, we can reproduce in our own lives. The third thing the Apostle Paul mentions here to the Thessalonians is that we don't use flattery or manipulation when we share the gospel. The, the gospel isn't uh, that which kind of, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's not, the, it's not, a, it's not a, always a feel-good message, is it? I mean, it starts with you're a sinner and you're separated from God. That's where it starts. We have to come to the place where we acknowledge our sin before we can be saved. We have to come to the place where we need a Savior. If you don't need a Savior, you don't need Jesus But if you acknowledge your sinfulness and you know you need a Savior, now we've got a starting place. Sometimes people accuse those of us who share our faith as trying to manipulate people because we talk about hell. 
And they go like, oh, when you talk about hell, then you're just trying to scare people. Well, we're not trying to scare people, but we are trying to tell the truth. Jesus talked about hell a lot. Did you know that? Jesus said about hell that it uh, is a place where you're separated from God from all eternity. It lasts forever. He said it's a place where the fire is never quenched. He said it's a place where the worm never dies. And he says it's a place of outer darkness, meaning that you'll be all alone. Any one of those would be terrible on their own. Hell's not a place where you'll be with your buddies and your drinking buddies and having a party for all eternity. Hell's a place where you're always alone, separated not only from everybody else but from God, and tortured for all eternity. That's not manipulation if it's real. It's me caring enough about you to tell you, you don't have to go there. Nobody has to go there. Jesus Christ already paid for your sin debt. That's why he went to the cross. If you'll receive him, if you'll ask for the forgiveness of sins, he said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's good news, right? See how the, see how the gospel becomes the name good news? Because you don't have to be separated from God from forever in that sense. The fourth thing the Apostle Paul says on this list, because they were accused of it, they were accused of greed, is that we don't make big money in ministry. Now, I know that there are some anomalies. I know there are some guys who are probably like television preachers who I could name them if you want. You can find me after the service, and I can name them. They got private jets, and they got money, and they've, they've embezzled money that they said is going for orphanages overseas. I know there are some of those guys, but that's not what Christians look like. For the most part, Christians are people that just share their faith, and most Christians do it. They don't get paid a dime. They just do it because they love somebody they work with, their neighbor or their brother or sister. In the case of those who actually work vocationally, let me tell you just a little bit about the big money that we make. Um, There are are approximately 500,000 missionaries in the world. So there's 7.2 billion people in the world about 5.2 billion don't know Christ, maybe 6 billion, and there are uh, 500,000 missionaries sharing that story. On the average, the average missionary makes $30,000 a year. They're in it for the bucks, right? $30,000 a year. You can make that if you'll just work full-time McDonald's chefs, right? I mean, you... It's, they're not in it for the money. They leave their home, they leave their family, they leave their culture, they leave their language, and they go somewhere and they do it. Why? Because it pleases God to share the gospel. What about those in ministry? Well, in places like Montana and Wyoming, North and South Dakota, Idaho, 70% of evangelical pastors are bivocational. What that means is they serve a church that can't afford to pay them full time. So they have, to have a, they have to have a day job to pay their bills, and then they work for that church, and the church pays them what they can, and that is somewhere between fourteen dollars and $18,000 a year. So they work a 40-hour job so that they can pastor, which is a 100-hour-a-week job, and they, and they get paid nothing to do it. And then there are some fortunate guys like me that get paid full-time so that I can give myself full-time to this. But really, nobody's in it for the bucks. And not once did I ever share my faith with someone 
lead them to Jesus. And after they prayed the sinner's prayer and asked Jesus into their heart, when they looked up, I never said to anybody, that'll be $20. That's not what we do. In fact, the giving of our tithes and offerings is the, give, is the money that believers give so that we can reach unbelievers. We're not trying to get their money. We're giving our money so we can get their souls. Last thing that Paul has on his list is we don't seek earthly accolade. There's no trophies in this business. There's no plaques for leading someone to Jesus. There's no special recognition. There's no certificate. It's not like, it's not like we've got an incentive program, and if you lead 10 people to Jesus, we'll pay your way on a Caribbean cruise. That's not what we do. Someone once said about being a pastor, he said, the pay's not much, but the retirement's out of this world. So, so we come to realize that the things that we value are eternal. It's not earthly stuff. In fact, here's what will happen to you. The longer that you're a believer and the closer that you grow to Jesus, the less the stuff of earth will appeal to you. In fact, somewhere along the way, it just kind of gets, it just loses its flavor. It just becomes a little lackluster. I don't just go, oh, Montana Fair's back in town. I love the zipper. It's not, it doesn't wet my whistle anymore. There's some things that I used to love to do and they don't excite me anymore. Why? Because they're they're sinful? No, I'm not talking about sinful things. I'm just talking about earthly things. I find that I, I think more about Jesus and I think more about heaven and I think about eternal things. And you, and you know what I want in terms of those eternal things? I want you to experience eternal life in heaven with Jesus forever. And when someone gives their life to Christ and they experience the forgiveness of sins, it's the best thing that ever happens in my life. I, that's what I rejoice over. That's what I celebrate over. And then when someone that I've led to the Lord, leads someone else to the Lord, that's the next best thing. And then we start to experience the good news of the gospel. That's what the resurrection is. I want to ask for every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. We're coming to a time of our conclusion this morning. But before we do, I I really feel compelled by the Holy Spirit to ask you a couple questions. Now I want you to understand, no one's going to come to you, nobody's going to embarrass you. I'm just asking you these questions and you answer them right there in the stillness of your own heart. Have you ever given your life to Christ? Have you ever asked for the forgiveness of sins? If you were to die today, do you know for certain that heaven would be your eternal destiny? If, if you're not certain, if you... If you had some hesitancy about answering any of those questions, then this morning I, I want to lead you in a prayer so that you could know for certain that your sins are forgiven and that heaven's your home. It would go like this, and you can pray it right there in your own heart as I pray it out loud. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner, and I now understand that my sin has separated me from you, and that's why Jesus had to come and die. So I'm asking you, 
to forgive me of my sins and come into my life. And the best that I know how from this day forward, I'll live for you. If you prayed that prayer in your heart and you meant it sincerely, the scripture says that Jesus will receive you, that he'll never forsake you, that he sends his Holy Spirit to indwell you, that you're forever changed, and that heaven is your eternal home. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I wonder how many of you would just, you just lift your hand up and say, Paul, when you prayed that prayer out loud, I prayed it in my heart. And you just lift your hand up. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Any others? Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Any others? God bless you. Let me talk to believers just for a moment. Many of you have already prayed that prayer. You've already asked the Lord in your heart, but you haven't been sharing your faith. And this morning you're reminded that even though the, the world would maybe even tell lies about us, you realize that we're instructed to do this. It pleases God. And this is a part of what God desires in your life. And how many of you, will you just say, you just raise your hand and say, the Lord has spoken to me about sharing my faith, and I want to do that. You just lift your hand. Yes, all over the room. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you, so many of you. Lord, this morning you've seen our hands, but more importantly, you know our hearts. And so we come to you and we ask you to to do this work. And for each one who prayed to receive you this morning, I pray that as your Holy Spirit rushes into their lives, as their sins are forgiven, that you would walk with them now in the days to come. They will be told lies by Satan, fake news, which they'll be tempted to believe. The Father, hold them in your hand and in your grip and in your grace. Father, for those of us who are already believers, we, we've got someone in our lives who so desperately needs you. And Father, we, we're going to share the gospel with them because it pleases you. And we pray that you would move and work in a way that you always do when you're pleased. That blessing that you pour out when you are pleased, that you'll do that in our lives. We're trusting you, for we pray it all in the most holy and precious name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen. Now, last week being Resurrection Sunday, um, I I always think it's a good idea to continue to keep uh, the idea of resurrection and Jesus' resurrection in our minds. And so I want to turn your attention to 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 3 through 4 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Listen to this. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Go in peace. Have a great Sunday. Thank you for listening to audio from Emmanuel Baptist Church, located in Billings, Montana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Emmanuel, please visit us online at www.myemmanuel.net.